Welcome back to the Dog Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 97, Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. And as you can tell, we've got some new theme music, baby! A very special thank you to my stepbro, Mike Silvestri, for coming up with the new theme song. We've got two new versions, so... I'll roll with the other one later on at the end of the pod. For those of you who don't know, the original theme for the first 96 episodes of this podcast is a little song titled Rhinoceros House that I recorded, I shit you not, at 3 a.m. in my freshman dorm room at the University of Iowa uh, after a night out at the bars many moons ago. Needless to say, uh, the Doggy Juice pod was way overdue for an upgrade, but I love how the new theme song stays true to the original theme. Mike did a perfect job with this, so a special shout out to him. You can find his music pretty much anywhere, really, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And you can also check him out at mikesylvestrymusic.com. And if you're out in the Los Angeles area, you can also catch him live. Obviously, live shows are tough during the pandemic, but Mike is tremendous live. He can cover any song on the spot after just listening to it once, so he's, he's that talented. Thanks again, Mike. Really appreciate that. Speaking of Los Angeles, I have a very special episode for all of you this week. On Wednesday night, I sat down with Matt Landis, a sharp sports better who lives out in L.A. and who also happens to be a beer connoisseur, quite literally the most knowledgeable person with beer that I've ever come across. But Matt and I see eye to eye in so many ways when it comes to sports betting, and that's mainly because we both learned so much about what we know from the late, great sports handicapper David Malinsky, who tragically passed away back in April of 2018, just a month before PASPA was overturned. And all of you Doggy Juice Pod listeners, all of you, all of you reg- regulars out there, know about Malinsky's impact on me personally and on this podcast. And not only was this week's guest Matt Landis friends with Dave, but Matt and Dave also did their own podcast together a few years ago. So Matt and I sat down on Wednesday night to talk about Dave, about beer, and about betting value on this week's NFL card and and some other great betting angles that can help you pad your bankroll this weekend and moving forward. You definitely don't want to miss that interview. A special congrats to the Sage, a.k.a. Better Call Paul, for winning the inaugural Pizza Bets Challenge against the Danimal, in case you missed it. Each of them picked one NFL side, one total, and one two-team six-point teaser last week, and the loser had to buy the other one a pizza with the Danimal living here in Chicago and the Sage out in Southern California as well. A lot of L.A. Uh, on the Doggy Juice Pod recently. Uh, but the Sage ended up going 3-0, and so congrats to him. You will hear from both of those guys again later in the pod when I get to the NFL, so stay tuned for that. We crushed it again. On the official Doggy Juice Pod plays last weekend on the college side, that Pittsburgh game against Miami, Florida that I recommended taking a look at ended up being a perfect example in in reading the market and getting the best market number. As I mentioned on last week's pod, there was a lot of uncertainty at the end of last week regarding the status of the Pittsburgh quarterback, Kenny Pickett. I showed a ton of value Um, on Pitt with Pickett in the lineup, but it looked like the market was pricing it in like he would be out of that game. And sure enough, on Saturday morning, the line briefly ticked up to 14 flat. I even saw plus 14 with with very little vigorish. And um, I think minus 103 I saw somewhere. But um, that happened when Pickett was officially ruled out. And that line was sitting at plus 13 for most of the week. But then it curiously, curiously, there was a sharp move on the road dog on, on Pitt leading into kickoff, and that line ended up closing 11.5 at most spots. But uh, you could have had 14 the day of, 13 the week of, and Miami, of course, ended up winning by 12. So if you got down on pit at any time before post, right before kickoff, then you cashed your ticket. Um, our hot run on NFL sides continued last weekend with our home dogs, the Buccaneers and the 49ers, both getting it done on Sunday and cashing the plus money. Money line tickets as well. The Lions minus three also showed on game day. And on last week's pod, I said that was worthy of a play uh, with the Lions laying a field goal or less against the Jaguars. Unfortunately, the Cowboys didn't get it done for us on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals. That one was ugly. Um, our lone blemish on the weekend. 
podcast plays. Teasers were once again a major moneymaker. The ones we discussed on the podcast last week that fit the classic Stanford Wong model went 6-2 and two on the weekend with the Bears, the Colts, Washington football team, the Dolphins, and the Bucks getting there. You also could have had the Ravens down to minus 1.5 during the week. Obviously, they're the end game in that Ravens-Eagles game is pretty bonkers, but if you got on that early, you cashed your Ravens leg of the teaser. I, I didn't tease that myself because I saw some value on the Eagles, and that line ended up actually closing 10. So I ended up scooping up some Eagles at that price and was fortunate, let's be real, very fortunate to cash that, that ticket. But you could have cashed the Ravens teaser leg as well if you got down earlier in the week. Only the Patriots and the Cowboys didn't come through on the teaser legs, but our, our teaser of the week... On the podcast last week, came through yet again with the Colts and the Bucks, moving our record on that to four and one this year after passing one of the weeks in the NFL. So stick around to the end of the pod to hear this weekend's official Doggy Juice podcast plays. All right, without further ado, it's time to jump to my interview from Wednesday night with the one and only Matt Landis. So I've had a lot of guests here on the Doggy Juice Pod over the last two plus years. They've all been great, but this one is extra special. His name is Matt Landis, and he's here with us from Los Angeles. Welcome to the pod, Matt. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Going pretty well. I was just reading before we connected that Quibi is shutting down, so I'm glad that instead of premium short-form video, you've opted to go with the free long-form audio method of distribution, so this has a chance of seeing the light of day. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we do what we can here at the Doggy Juice Pod to, to bring the content to the people. So we, where do we even start here? We have Obviously, there's a lot I want to talk about with you, but before we learn a little bit about you, Matt, uh, long-term Doggy Juice Pod listeners already know this, but for all of you newer listeners out there, I owe so much of what I know about sports betting and, and the sports betting industry to the late, great David Malinsky. He's a Vegas betting and sports betting industry icon. And um, everyone in the industry knows his name. He used to host the old Stardust Line show in in Las Vegas. He used to work with Billy Walters. And I personally believe, I've said this on the podcast, that he's the greatest sports handicapper to ever live, but more importantly, a great human being. He came up with angles in sports betting that you just couldn't find anywhere else. And unfortunately, back in April of 2018, Dave passed away doing what he loved. And that was hiking at Mount Charleston nearby Las Vegas. And he died one month to the day before PASPA was overturned. It's one of the true misfortunes that all of us uh, will have in this life is not having Dave around and his guidance during all of these crazy early times of legal regulated sports betting here in the U.S. And, And Matt, not only were you friends with Dave, but you also co-hosted a podcast with Dave called The House of Yards a few years ago. And I, it was brilliant. It was part of, I listened to it every week and you guys also delved into beer. And we're going to get to beer later too, because uh, I think you have a PhD in beer, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but I, I know uh, you and I could talk for hours about Dave and, and we plan to do a deeper dive on Dave and some of his teachings and his legacy and and the knowledge that he's passed along that's still ap- applicable today. But I just want to know what it was like for you working with a guy like Dave and, and doing that podcast with him. Yeah. Um, I, I think you made a good point in that losing Dave when we did uh, might be the bad beat of a lifetime for anybody who's interested in betting. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I got the luckiest victory anybody could ever ask for by getting to not only know him, but somehow work with him. Um, And I don't know why he thought to approach me. I probably should have been, you know, begging him to do something together. Um, But doing House of Yards in 2017 was nothing but a joy. And even before then, just thinking about Dave, um, for me, it starts with his point blank column. I discovered it in 2014. I was instantly hooked. He gave out not just winning information, but I think true wisdom with a lot of wit and the dignity to... Dave's column and the people in that forum was just unlike anything you see online in sports mm-hmm. betting discourse. So really when I think of Dave, it comes down to not only edges on the betting board, but edges in all walks of life from music to food, which he regularly featured in point blank. I think of the first time we met, I had actually won a prop bet that he threw out to his point blank forum. I think it was for total run scored in the 2015 national league championship series. So okay. 
threw out yeah. a run number. I think it was the Dodgers and Mets, and, and both pitching staffs were loaded. And um, there was a prize that he offered, but I countered his offer with the chance to buy him lunch in Vegas because I had an upcoming trip planned out there. Oh, man. And fortunately, he agreed. Um, it was a football Friday. We had the World Series starting, NBA, NHL underway. I was just shocked he gave me more than the time of day. I actually brought a pen and paper thinking I would just drill this pro better for all the pen knowledge I could get. Um, I didn't need to write down anything. We hardly talked sports. He wanted to talk about almost anything else in life. And one of the biggest standout memories from that get-together was he ordered three entrees. And I was really thrilled off when he did that. Um, it turns out he took two of them to go because he didn't leave his house from Friday afternoon to Monday morning during football season. That's how disciplined he was, but he always had a plan. It's like the rest of us were playing checkers and he was playing chess. Absolutely. I mean, that's so well said, so crazy. I mean, that makes a lot of sense that, you, that he would uh, do something like that. But I think in terms of buying the three meals ahead of time, I mean, that's totally fits uh, the Malinsky mold. And, and he was, I mean, you totally touched on it. Like he, it was so much more than sports. Like this guy was literally he was a jack of all trades in, in so many facets of life. I mean, from dining to beer, he just, he knew everything about everything. And, and what's, what set Dave apart uh, from my, and I, I discovered him a, a little after you did, I think it was 2016 around that time and, and in the same way, but what set him apart was he taught you how to think like a sharp sports better. Like, you know, obviously in a world full of touts and hot takes, there's plenty of, you know, there's snake oil salesmen out there and especially in, in this industry and, and most guys, let's be real, most people out there are just looking for winners. But with Dave, he, he did provide the winners. But the important thing to him was teaching people how to think in a certain way, like the classic teach a man to fish and you'll feed him for his entire life. And it's like similar to, to going to law school for me. It's in law school, it was less learning about the black letter law and more learning to how to think like a lawyer. And I feel like the education that Dave provided was similar. It was priceless from that standpoint. So um, it's so cool that you got to, to do that with him. And and I know that 2017 year was was uh, was a special one. It's just, it's like you said, life's biggest beat, biggest bad beat that that uh, his life was cut short the way it was, and we weren't able to have him around right now. Yeah, um, for sure. It, it might be something that I never fully get over, and probably not alone in that sentiment. But um, having what we can take away, like you said, teaching people how to think—that's that's a timeless lesson. That yes, we would be expanding on that if he were still with us, but. Um, there's a lot that we can still put to use. I feel like Dave lived in a way that suggested to me he had more than 24 hours in a day from being a legend wedding, getting out in Mount Charleston, visiting his bristlecone pines. He'd call them his old friends in high places, um, supporting mom and pop restaurants. He was known as Friday Dave at his favorite restaurant, Lotus of Siam. Lotus of Siam. Football <laughs> weekends. Yeah. Um, and you could talk to him for hours about beer, wine, liquor, music with Bruce Springsteen being an obvious favorite. Even when it came to reading, he would weave Shakespeare into point blank. That's the way yeah. which he taught us how to think. Um, he mentioned he would read Sophocles when he needed to unwind at night. He had the biggest Nat Geo collection I've ever seen. And I even have another friend who's in the football industry, Christopher Harris. He hosts the Harris Football Fantasy Podcast. Uh, really sharp mind, used to work for ESPN. He's also an author and a really smart guy. Wrote a book on uh, basically his ode to rock and roll music called War on Sound. I got the audiobook, and when I was a couple chapters in, I told Dave about it. And Dave read the actual book before I could listen to the audiobook. He, just, <laughs> he got through life at a crazy pace. He also gave back to people all the time, mentoring young people, counseling people after the Vegas shooting in 2017. And I think best of all, he met everybody at their level. Odds are he was the smartest person in any room he walked into when it came to any topic. Yeah. And even though he could go toe-to-toe with anyone, he would – always dial it back to be relatable and inclusive of everybody. So um, that's, that's just the kind of guy he was. And I love it when sometimes listening to your show, Mike, it feels like almost David Molinsky bingo. You mentioned the jets being in the drawer. You talk about sports betting coverage and the media verse, having a game in pocket, the portfolio for a weekend, uh, the pendulum swinging on, you know, all the overs we saw to start the season, even your, your latest episode talking about pizza bets, uh, that, that might have been coincidental, but that was a David Malinsky term to yeah. get some action on a game for fun. So um, all walks of life and especially betting, um, you know, gone too soon, but lessons we can take with us forever. Absolutely. Yes, I, I, I weave the, the Malinsky vocabulary into this podcast. And, and I feel like a lot of his terms, like the in-pocket, seg- like uh, just phrase, you know, VEASAN uses it a lot. It's become a household term. And I think that's like something that he that he more or less 
made popular on his own. But I also found it funny, like to your point about him coming down to people's level, but everyone, and you also mentioned before, like his, the forums, the point Blake forums would, would attract, you know, very high level discussion from people of all walks of life. But I always found it funny that on the forums, everyone was so polite and so courteous and well-spoken that people like the trolls out there actually started accusing Dave of creating like burner accounts and having conversations with himself (laughs) on there just because it was so high level on there. And it was, like you said, something you just can't find anywhere else and, and we never will find anywhere else uh, unfortunately but but yeah his his legacy lives on and I, i'm really looking forward to diving more into his teachings with you in the future and stuff and 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 i i want to kind of segue here because you're you're kind of keeping the legacy going yourself you have a new podcast now and you just started it this fall it's called the props and hops it, it's so unique and, and it's such a great weekly listen because not only do you offer your own insights but you also distill the insights from other sharp podcasts, other sharp betters out there and not people that, you know, just, just some random guy's opinion on the street, but people who are very respected in the industry. And it's a great way to, you know, heading into the weekend to kind of distill all that information, see who's thinking what, what points they're bringing up. And and it's a great way to kind of put your, even if you're leaning a certain way on a game, it's like a final filter for you to go through uh, to see, Oh, I didn't think about this point before. You know, this is a great point. And you're also incredibly knowledgeable about, beer and the world of beer like didn't you get some sort of like degree or certificate for beer over at ucla or something something like that refresh my memory there yeah i I wish there would have been a certificate or degree maybe some kind of commencement ceremony Uh, but i did take a course on craft beer at ucla in this would have been i think early 2017 uh basically one night a week we went and just learned about the whole history of the industry got to meet some of the sharpest you know, beer mines in Southern California. And even though I, I went to USC, it was a tough call to, you know, break ties and go to the other side. But if you've got some upside in craft beer on the line, then you've got to make the jump. And it was, yeah, it was totally worth it. Got to make some good connections in the industry. And it was pretty early on in my journey of being a craft beer fan. So getting to know just the backstory of things, building some relationships and starting to develop a taste that I thought, you know, just like we try to find edges on the betting board, I want to have some edges when it comes to beer. So if I'm going to a certain side of town, you know, where's the best spot to get something, not just mindlessly walking in somewhere hoping for the best, but having a little bit of knowledge uh, in the memory bank. And more than anything, it's just fun. Like I'll enjoy the nicest, fanciest beer anytime somebody wants to have it. But, um, you know, I, I would just as soon share, you know, a, a natty light with you watching any football game. So um, it's, it's a good time. And I think there are a lot of good people in the industry. Beer and betting seem to be a, a natural pair. So it's fun to bring those two things together. I feel like I probably know more about beer than most bettors and more about betting than most beer drinkers. So trying to make the most of that sweet spot has been a big focus of props and hops. Oh, that's great. You've been nailing it too. I, I have to give you credit a couple years back when I was out in the Pacific Northwest with my fiance, you gave me a bunch of great brewery recommendations out there. And my absolute favorite one uh, was great notion brewery out in Portland. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. They was the next level to space invader IPA uh, might be the best year beer I've ever had in my life. Like, honestly, it's even better than delirium tremens, which I always held as the highest, uh, the highest regard. But um, no, I, I'm also, I want to hear uh, what you've been drinking lately too. I mean, before we dive into the actual uh, NFL games and actually start talking college football and NFL, what a, what are you drinking right now? And what have you, what have you been enjoying lately? Yeah. Um, funny you mentioned the Pacific Northwest. I, I agree. If I'm going to Portland, Great Notion is the number one um, among a very long list of great places to put on the must visit list. Um, right now I've got a beer from Hood River, Oregon from Frame. It's their IPA. And it's, it's really nice. Classic IPA notes, some citrus, some pine, um, a light bitterness, also a little bit of stone fruit. And uh, it's like they have their own twist on a style that also, you know, checks all the boxes. So Oregon can pretty much do no wrong if you're looking for anything hoppy. Um, beyond that, I would say the last seven months and change with the pandemic, um, I think I'm not alone. A lot of craft beer drinkers have kind of gone back to the basics. Um, there are a lot of breweries that get a lot of hype for big, hazy IPAs, you know, pastry stouts with a lot of adjuncts like coconut, vanilla, um, some sour beers that you know, not the traditional barrel-aged sour, but they might almost, you know, have some candy in them and be pretty decadent. Um, There's totally a time and place for that, but I've been enjoying, you know, going back to Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. uh, There are things like that, Firestone Walker, Easy Jack, just 
some of the hallmarks when, you know, when the world is so turbulent and sometimes maybe you're not able to get out and about as easily as you would under normal circumstances. There's something to be said for beers that have stood the test of time and are always easily accessible. So happy to name drop some of the, you know, the really hyped, tough to get beers that I'm fortunate to get my hands on from time to time. But I mean, if you're drinking something you enjoy and it's accessible and affordable, then, you know, you really can't do it wrong. Yeah, no, it's, that's a great way of putting it right now. It's the COVID and the pandemics changed every industry, including this one. And, and it's, I mean, for me, it's been a good opportunity. I, I'm fortunate. I, I know that they don't have bennies. At least I don't think they have bennies out by you in California. Is that true? Correct. Uh, yeah. Bennies really popular spot to just a massive liquor store here in Chicago. I live right next door to one. So it's been nice for me, even there, during the pandemic to go during off hours and just kind of sample different craft brews and stuff. So I've, there's one I discovered, um, that's I guess really popular here in Chicago that other people like it. So I'm not like breaking news, but it's, it's called, it's from alarmist brewing here in Chicago. It's called lay juice. It's like they're, the cans are orange for you Chicago folks out there listening, but it's like, mm. it's their flagship new England style IPA and it's incredible. It's uh, mosaic and citra hops and I'm super into the hazy IPAs recently. So this one's really hitting the spot, but I don't think it's, I don't know, Chicago versus LA brewery scene. It's, or at least Southern California, I know San Diego, uh, as well as super strong, but have you been out to the Chicago breweries at all or any of them in the past? Cause I think we um, got a trip planned sometime soon. You might have to come yeah, out. <laughs> I've been fortunate to try them at some beer festivals. I know revolution actually barley wine of all styles is probably one of their calling cards. And I've had a chance to try that at the Firestone Walker invitational beer festival. They have that out in Paso Robles, California every summer. Um, so tried some revolution. Um, I've seen three Floyds at beer festivals as well. Uh, I have seen some half acre hit distro out here. So not too long ago, got to have Daisy Cutter on tap for the first time. And, and that was a real treat. So yeah, I think we're both spoiled. And one of the benefits about being in, in California right now as well, um, you would appreciate this with your legal background. They've really relaxed distribution laws with beer. So, you know, Russian River up in Santa Rosa, way up Northern California, they make an awesome IPA called Planning for President every election cycle. And <laughs> It used to be the kind of beer that unless you would show up at their location and wait in a long line, you couldn't get your hands on it. And now on Friday afternoons, they'll post when it's available and, and you can order it and it shows up cold at your doorstep a couple of days later. That's um, some of my favorite breweries, Green Cheek in Orange, California, um, not too far from where the Angels play, pretty close to Disneyland. That's, that's just awesome across the board. Highland Park, um, pretty close to Dodger Stadium. They nail it with just about every style as well. So the delivery options for some of these um, local or even, um, I guess, more regional breweries farther up north. It's just so nice getting stuff without having to leave your house at times. I think that's something that might outlast the pandemic. And silver so. lining. we're taking our lumps in 2020, but we might as well take what wins we can get as well. Yeah, file that under things that we hope continue. Pass, you know, working from home more, Zoom calls with the family during the holidays, maybe, instead of having to go visit all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, uh, that's, that's literally perfect. That sounds amazing. And especially when you can get them delivered cold like that. But uh, so let's, uh, let's talk sports now. I mean, we got our beers in hand and beers on the mind, but let's, uh, let's talk about what we're going to be watching while we're drinking our beers this weekend. And that's, uh, we've got some NFL and some college football talks. I I know you love playing advantage teasers um, and you, I know that you write articles on some of this stuff too, for, for Buzzfeed. I know you you could, people could find your work um, over the years on Buzzfeed. I know you would have your, your teasers of the week and, stuff like that. But um, I know you love the classic Stanford Wong tease through the, the three and the seven on both legs of a two team, six point teaser. Obviously uh, we're all about those here on the doggy juice pod. And those have been cashing tickets, plenty of tickets so far this season. The past two weeks in particular have been very mm-hmm. strong with uh, a multitude of strong options that, that fit that model. And this week's no different this week. We have a, a lot of options that, that fit that model. And I guess I can run through some of these and, and if you like one in particular, uh, let me know what your thoughts are on some of these or if any of them stand out uh, according to you, but the, the lions right now, you can get them up from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. looks like uh, consensus. The saints, you can tease them down at home against uh, coming up off the bye week against the Panthers. You can tease them down from minus seven and a half to minus one and a half. The 49ers on the road against the Patriots, you can tease them up from, plus two and a half to plus eight and a half through the three and the seven, the chargers you could tease them just like the saints down from seven and a half to one and a half. And, and we're also talking Wednesday night. I should let that be known because obviously this could change if people are listening later in the week, but, and 
to that end, you could have got either side already of two games early in the week. Uh, Washington was a slight dog against the Giants, or sorry, against um, the, the Cowboys, mm-hmm. but that one has flipped, although most spots it looks like are a pick right now, uh, consensus. And then the same with the Titans-Steelers. Could have, uh, you could have had the Titans early in the week. I actually did get down on some Titans plus two to plus eight earlier in the week, but right That's now so uh, Steelers are looks like they're I'm seeing Steelers plus one. I don't know about you, but even it looks like I'm seeing one spot at plus at one and a half. So you can tease that up to seven and a half there. But are there any there that you uh, that are catching your eye on a two teamer? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you pretty much just read my shopping list when it comes to this this week. I'll say I am in on one so far. That's San Francisco with the Chargers. So with the Niners, I like that we're teasing them up through three and seven with the lowest total on the week seven board. And that increases the relative value of each point we get while crossing up through three and seven. And then I, it scares me. I'm, uh, you know, regrettably a Chargers fan. Um, I know they can find ways to lose games like no other. But in this matchup, they're the clear better team against Jacksonville. They're off a much needed buy to get a lot healthier. Uh, at home, needing to do a little more than win outright against Jacksonville, have enough confidence to tie them with San Francisco. And yeah, I'll definitely be looking. I'd say Detroit and New Orleans are next up in the pecking order right now. Again, to your point, it's Wednesday evening. Things could change. But um, Detroit, definitely a good candidate. Just from a handicapping standpoint, I I think they may well win that game. So getting eight points would be a nice cushion. Uh one thing with the advantage teasers, I love simply putting the math to work, and that's the highest total on the board this week. So that does reduce the value of each point we'd get. At the same time, it's just tough to see the Falcons blowing anybody out. I mean, they could be up by three touchdowns in the third quarter, and you don't have to be too worried about it. Right, right. are the other team that struggles in the second half this season. Um, so yeah, Detroit definitely on the radar. The Saints, you mentioned it at home off their bye. Getting Michael Thomas back could be a big boost. So needing to do a little more than beat the Panthers outright looks good. Um, if nothing else changes, I think Detroit New Orleans would be my second teaser of the week. I am keeping close tabs on that Dallas, Washington and Pittsburgh, Tennessee uh, part of the board. Honestly, with Dallas, I know they're own six against the spread. They've just looked ugly all year. I, I just don't buy that. They're any worse than Washington, which if you have Washington favored and, factor in the diminished value of home field advantage this year. That's basically what the line would imply. Um, Dallas also closed minus one against Arizona, which, I mean, are are we going to say that Washington and Arizona are about equal if you compare that closing line for Washington minus one? I think Arizona would be favored by a touchdown, if not more, on a neutral against Washington right now. So, yeah, Dallas needs a big downgrade. Big part of that game is the Washington front seven against a beat-up Dallas O-line. I think that's rightfully a big talking point. But I heard a good angle from Adam Chernoff on the Simple Handicap this morning. He said Washington's faced the ninth easiest schedule of opponents so far this year, and they're still only league average in passing rate and below average when we look at EPA against the pass and the rush. So, yeah, we've got to question the Dallas offensive line, but I think we might also need to question some assumptions about the Washington front seven. And if Ezekiel Elliott can ever make it through the game without fumbling twice, then we might see some signs of life from the Cowboys offense. Um I do prefer the teaser with Dallas, but if this line doesn't hit one and a half, then I think I'll just plug my nose and take the plunge on Dallas at Pickham or better. Um, Similarly with Pittsburgh, Tennessee, going to let the math do its thing if we see plus one and a half on either side. Um, And then I I do have one bet locked in on the non-teaser side of things um, if you would like to get into that. But yeah, I think this week, Niners Chargers are in. Lions Saints are probably going to come in, but I'm interested in seeing what happens with the Dallas line and uh, Pittsburgh or Tennessee up through seven and a half would be great. Uh, well played getting Tennessee already. Yeah, that was, I was surprised by that one too. And I also figured that was more of like a handicapping the market situation where you know, everyone kind of remembers that obviously the Steelers looked pretty damn good in their game, but uh, the Titans, I think when people saw that uh, obviously they're catching two at home after, after, you know, this is undefeated. They haven't lost all year, obviously. So I think that could have potentially rubbed people the wrong way in the marketplace. But um, no, I, I t- completely agree with you on the Cowboys, just in terms of of a buy low candidate this week. I think obviously there's a lot of talk about Dalton not being ready, and and people kind of forget. I mean, not to you know when you grade out games and look at Monday night's game, the Cowboys are pretty unfortunate. Uh, obviously, there was the dropped inter- or the dropped touchdown mm-hmm. at the end zone down the half. There was a blatant that one of those picks was just a blatant miscall by the refs and you hate to you know start monday monday uh quarterback the the ref decisions and stuff but um 
But there was a few, you know, coin flips that obviously didn't go the way of the Cowboys, not to mention the Zeke fumbles. So I think that it's a good buy low spot from that, you know, from a turnover regression standpoint with Dalton, maybe another week to practice uh, with the first teamers from that standpoint, obviously an interdivision game. And I think there's a lot of reasons to buy low on, on the Cowboys this week. But I'm curious to hear what your your side play is in the NFL besides potentially the Cowboys. Yeah, so it's one we saw some movement on this morning, but I still like where the number is now. Um, not to disappoint the hometown Chicago fans, but the Rams at minus six flat. Uh, I like it up to that point. I think the Rams are off a bad loss in front of a national audience on Sunday night, but that was a brutal spot, and I think that's a big part of why both of us were on San Francisco last weekend. For the Rams, it was their fourth road game in five weeks, and three of the previous four um, had been on the East Coast. So that's that's saying something. That's a lot of mileage they were logging. And now the Rams get to come home extra day of rest for Monday night football. I think that benefits them more than Chicago in this case. And again, not to rain on the parade with, you know, any hometown fans, but I don't think there's been a more misleading five and one team in recent memory than this year's Bears. They could easily be two and three. They had the miracle comebacks against the lions and the Falcons. Tampa Bay outgained them by more than a yard per play in that Thursday night game. And I think if the lions, Excuse me, if the Bears record were two and three right now, which would be pretty reflective of their true talent, this line would be well north of a touchdown. So with both sides in play here, I, I just have to take the Rams at minus six flat or better. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree there at all. I was I was hoping that it would be Rams four so I can really get involved because I, I made it just close to a touchdown basically, but I, I agree with you there. There's a bit of obviously the pendulum shift on, on the public perception of, of the Rams after last week's game and the bears obviously being obviously five and one in this. It's just crazy to think about how this year has been for the bears right now. And, and I, I also feel like I don't this for the bears game. It's a spot where they, I don't know, like the defense has kept it close. They've played the Rams the past couple of years and they were tight games. And I just feel like the bears defense is still not getting the proper love in the market. Maybe that it should be, but it's the offense that, that really worries me in this spot. And I agree with you from the standpoint of bears traveling across the country. And I don't know if they actually match up well with the Rams at all, because I don't, I just don't envision Foles being able to get the ball out as quickly because that was like last week we saw obviously with Garoppolo, that's the way they attack the Rams. You neutralize Darnold or sorry, um, Donald Moore yeah, with, with quicker passes. And I just don't know if the bears will be able to take advantage of that in the same way. Yeah, the Niners really succeeded going east-west using their running backs in the quick passing game. George Kittle had a big night and just don't see those weapons with Chicago. So um, I, you know, they're, they are five and one. I don't want to knock them too much for what they've accomplished at this point. But looking at this spot for both teams would say the Rams are the, the one non-teaser play that's gone into pocket so far this week. Nice. nice. All right, well, moving on really quickly to, to props. I know you've been all over this on your podcast and I know you've told me over the phone recently, but the value that you're finding on some props that are correlated with, with the increase in scoring in the NFL this season, obviously uh, early on in the year overs have been the story, but namely the the shortest touchdown over under one and a half yards prop you've touched on this, but can you uh, share some of your findings, your recent findings there? Sure. Yeah. This is something that I recall from listening to Steve Fezzik break down Super Bowl props in recent years and he said that in general, if a total's in the low 50s, say 51 and a half, then the shortest touchdown over under one and a half should be lined at about minus 165. Um, and I've been seeing some better numbers than that for some higher totals this season, and it's been working so far. So we've got record scoring through much of the season. The totals market has been trying to catch up, and that's typically a pretty quick market to become efficient. And props are where things can get a little bit less efficient and lag a little farther behind. So I've enjoyed finding some downstream angles to get and play on some bigger trends. And the beauty of it is that a lot of these markets don't get as much attention. Yes, limits are lower, but if you're not trying to get down a really big amount, then there there are some edges to be had here. Mm -hmm. So I've been seeing plenty of games lined in the mid to high 50s with the prop listed in the minus 130 to minus 150 range. And those have been gladly accepted. And I think the way Dave Malinsky would describe it would be a meal ticket, the kind of bet that you keep going back to the well with week after week. I've got, you know, a handful of them in seemingly every weekend's portfolio, and they, they've been a pretty big plus so far. So going to continue to monitor that. But 
Um, yeah, anytime you can see a total in the low 50s and get minus 165 or better for the shortest touchdown under 1.5 prop, there's probably some value there. Yeah, especially if it involves the Cowboys pre, pre-deck pre injury. I know that was the one that you were really, it was just screaming value early on because you're getting several touchdowns that are, are one yard in, in length in those games. You know, it just opens up so many situations. You know, you get the pass interference call in the end zone, obviously another penalty to move the ball up to the one. There's just so many ways to cash that. And obviously you know, minus 165 VIG, it's, you know, a lot of people could scoff at that price when they have to lay something like that, but it's just the math and it's, like you said, in these games that are higher scoring, that many more touchdowns, and they're not adjusting these props quite as much. So that's that's a great angle. I love it. Um, I wish we could talk forever. This, of course, um, it always goes fast, but this one's gone faster than it seems any other one's gone. But um, yeah, I was hoping to pick your brain. Actually, really quickly, I want to, uh, just before we close up, college football adjusted lines kind of ties in with everything we've been talking about. But um, you've kind of noticed recently, you, you've mentioned the big favorites and games with these higher totals um, can also have value on adjusted lines. And I know that this is something that Dave always talked about, but I guess uh, we can close up this interview with uh, your thoughts on that really quick. Sure. Yeah. This is something that I recall Dave shushing once in the point blank forum. He rarely did it. So when that happened, it was just a blinking light that there was value on this angle. Basically big favorites in games with high totals, specifically if we've got a favorite of 20 or more and a total of 60 or more, taking the favorite on the adjusted line decreases the relative value of each point you're giving up. So kind of the flip side of looking for teasers with underdogs and games with low totals and these college adjusted lines with big favorites and games with high totals. um, There can really be some value there because the book charges the same VIG, whether it's a favorite of seven or 27 or a total of 45 or 65. And one more thing to look for here. There's a real sweet spot when the big favorites take on money leading up to kickoff sometimes those adjusted lines will stay the same. So it's a great bet to look for on Saturday mornings because there can be some really good opportunities at post when the adjusted lines aren't too far off the actual lines for a game, but you can get some much bigger payouts. So something to keep in mind, especially as we finally get the Big Ten back, getting the Pac-12 back in a couple weeks. So we might actually have some more options to make these types of bets uh, over the course of the rest of the college season. That's so good. Awesome, man. All right. Really appreciate all that insight. Of course, this <laughs> went so fast, but I appreciate ta- uh, you giving me the time to talk to you and looking forward to bringing you back on very, very soon, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I know I didn't have any bets with juice on the dog and this is the dog juice pod, so I'll try to do better next time, but this was a blast. Always a great time to connect. <laughs> awesome, man. Talk to you later. All right. See ya. Thanks again to Matt for coming on the pod. That was absolutely terrific. You can Find him on Twitter at mlandes, that's L-A-N-D-E-S, 18. And be sure to check out his new podcast, Props and Hops, by subscribing on iTunes. It's well worth the listen each week, so you should absolutely be adding that to your rotation. All right, time to move on to some college football. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. The Big Ten returns this weekend, kicking off its shortened season here in the Midwest. I guess out east too, because the Big Ten's everywhere now. Wisconsin hosts Illinois on Friday night, but of course we can't legally bet on it here in the Chicagoland area because our state lawmakers must somehow think that people are not going to find a way to bet on the game if they make it unlawful to wager on games involving Illinois college teams. No lawmakers, you're getting this wrong for the exact same reasons you think that you're getting this right. If you make it legal, and I don't know, keep people away from going across state lines to bet on on it in the state, in the neighboring state, or, you know, keep money out of the black market away from offshore, that's going to keep betting above board. It's going to make it easier to track irregular line moves in order to protect the integrity of the games, your reason for not wanting Illinois bettors to wager on Illinois college teams in the first place. People are still going to bet this stuff, and it's absurd to think that your efforts, Illinois lawmakers, are helping the college coaches and athletes. Just look at Nevada or even a state like Colorado, where the University of Colorado actually partnered with a sports book. So, my little PSA, get out of the Stone Age and help yourself, Illinois. Anyway, getting off my soapbox, we're all pumped for the Big Ten to kick off. From a pure power rating standpoint, it's Ohio State and then everyone else. I would have the Buckeyes favored by double digits over any other Big Ten team on a neutral field. And it's similar with another team in a different conference that's starting it's played this week, and that's Boise State in the Mountain West, which 
Also starts back up this weekend. I made Boise, or I make Boise a strong favorite over everyone else in that conference, next up being Wyoming and San Diego State. And I know I'm not alone there. And then the Pac-12 is slated to start their season as well in two weeks. So we got a lot of action coming our way on the docket in college football. Obviously, COVID continues to be a major issue in college football, so you got to pay attention to the latest news that's affecting teams and conferences. But we do have a lot more college football coming our way on the schedule. In terms of that Friday night Big Ten opener at Wisconsin, the Badgers are 19.5-point favorites. There was a major move on the under in that one early in the week after it opened in the high 50s over at Circus Sports, and now that total is sitting at 51.5 as I record this on Thursday afternoon. And if you want a deeper dive on this game, I highly recommend you check out the House Edge podcast over at Dimers.com. The new episode this week breaks down Friday night's game between the Badgers and the Fighting Illini and other Big Ten Week 1 action. So definitely be sure to check that out if you're looking for more insight before betting on those games this weekend. In terms of my alum, or my alma mater, Iowa, uh, per college football handicapper Brad Powers, the Hawkeyes are on a crazy 21-0 straight up and 17-3-1 against the spread run as a road favorite since 2011. It's something I've been tracking. I've been aware of it for a couple years now. But the games haven't even been that close. Their average win margin in those games has been 17.6 points, and they've beat the spread by an average of 10.9 points as a road favorite. The Hawkeyes are laying three at Purdue on Saturday, although some money has come in on Purdue at plus three and a half. I did agree with that move slightly, um, even though I couldn't really, at certain places like Bet Rivers, who won't allow me to bet more than $11 on a damn college football game anymore, but that's a different story. Difficult to get down here in Illinois for the doggy juice, but different story for a different day. In terms of Big Ten value, I'm planning to dip my toes in a bit more slowly here in the opening week, but my numbers are showing value on Nebraska catching the points at the horseshoe against Ohio State. I do like to bet outlier spreads, and this is one of them. Nebraska hasn't been this big of an underdog more than a handful of times ever, and the Buckeyes are only returning nine, or it might be ten, but um, not as many starters this year, and obviously, yeah, they reloaded with top recruits, and that's reflected in my ratings on them being double-digit favorites over anyone else on a neutral in the conference, but I think it's a bit unrealistic to expect them to be firing on all cylinders right off the bat in the first game. Nebraska, they've had a lot of time to prepare for this one, and even if they're down by you know, 30, 31 points late in the game, the back door will still be wide open for them. Uh, there's a real strong uh, bet on my numbers at plus 28. If that shows right now, I'm seeing 27s out there. That's good for a decent position, so call it good for a half unit anything over plus 24, but something more serious at, at 27 and then a, a full position at, at uh, catching four touchdowns. Outside of the Big Ten this week, it should come as no surprise to all of you loyal Doggy Juice Pod listeners that I'm on Iowa State and the Cyclones, plus three and a half at Oklahoma State this weekend, and also sprinkling money line. I have sprinkled money line on the dog in that one as well. Both teams are off extra rest in this one, but Iowa State's off their bye week, while Oklahoma State, their game last week was canceled against Baylor. So obviously, maybe they weren't uh, paying attention to, or at least fully preparing for the Iowa State game at that time, while Iowa State was fully preparing for Oklahoma State. And quarterback Brock Purdy and Iowa State have long been a fan of them, and obviously Coach Matt Campbell uh, with the Cyclones in Ames, Iowa. But they have owned the month of October they're 13-1 and one in October under Purdy, and the lone loss was against Oklahoma State last year, so it's a revenge spot as well. But Iowa State this year, they're a lot more balanced, the run pass. Oklahoma State as a whole, I think, is overrated by the marketplace, so I think it's a really good spot here and a revenge spot to get behind Iowa State in that game last year, too, that Oklahoma State won. Um, it was a close one. They won by a touchdown at the end with a pick six at the end. So you know the Cyclones have had this game circled on their calendar, and it's a great spot, I think, to get behind the slightly better team in a game where they'll be looking to avenge last year's loss. I have this game lined at almost exactly a pick so I'll gladly scoop up the field goal and the hook with the road dog in this spot. The under in Alabama, Tennessee, I locked it in at 66.5 on Wednesday, but this one is still good at the current 65.5 offering, uh, consensus offering out there in the market. I make the game in the low 60s, so 
anything over 64 is worthy of a play um, on my stuff. Tennessee plus 21 and a half also shows on my numbers, but a lot of this game comes down to who is in at quarterback for Tennessee, and there's a lot of uncertainty uh, there regarding if it's going to be Jared Guarantano or JT Shroud or freshman Harrison Bailey. So I do expect Tennessee to slow this one down and look to avoid mistakes against the Alabama defense. So the under just looks a little too high as it is right now. So the under at 64 or better is the way to go in that one on Saturday. All right, time to move on to NFL Week 7. Like I said at the top, we absolutely crushed it with the Doggy Juice podcast plays again last week. Moving on to this week's card, we've had some early week line moves that I agreed with, and I'm not seeing too much value on the sides anymore, but we do have some nice teaser options. The Cowboys and the Jets are the only teams in the NFL sitting at 0-6 against the spread. I know it's nuts, but there are buy signs on each of those teams in the marketplace this week that are starting to show uh, so I would really like to see two touchdowns with the goddamn Jets, but uh, it's definitely consideration right now. I'll get to that later. But before I let you know my plays for the weekend, a special congrats once again to the Sage, a.k.a. Better Call Paul, for winning last weekend's Pizza Bet Challenge versus the Danimal. Each of them has more picks for this weekend's card, and of course I had to give the Sage the opportunity to speak from the top of the podium. So here's the Sage, followed by the Danimal. Danimal, oh Danimal, oh Danimal. In the words of the great Michael Irvin in The Longest Yard, it was nice spanking that ass dog, now get stepping. All jokes aside, Danimal, it was great going against you. Always a friendly uh, wager. Uh, I look forward to collecting that. Uh, most likely here this weekend, but uh, actually that's a lie. I will be collecting that this weekend uh, because I love pizza uh, so it's just a matter of Saturday or Sunday at the moment. So get ready for the lookout on that. Uh, great thanks to the Doggy Juice podcast for having me and the Danimal do a little friendly wagering uh, and setting that up for us. But uh, look ahead for this weekend. Uh, one of the lines that has moved a little bit, I locked in already, was the Bengals at plus three and a half. It has now gone to plus three. Um, seeing a little more action on the Browns now because now it's minus 120, at least to the sites that I've been using. But uh, looking for that game early, I actually already locked that one in uh, for the Bengals at home, plus three and a half. And then looking at the leaning over in the Lions versus the Falcons, currently at 55, uh, hoping that it will get a little lower. But I feel like both teams are going to be able to put up some points uh, in that one. Uh, as far as the World Series, have an open bet right now with the Rays, plus one and a half games. I honestly think that game is going to go, that series, I should say, is going to go anywhere from six to seven games. Uh, obviously, that's uh, two games have already been played one-to-one, but I just feel like uh, both teams are in a great spot and that this series is going to go a long way. And honestly, just want to see uh, some good baseball. Obviously, I want to win a bet, but... Uh, it's not very often that you get the two very best teams um, from the season going into it throughout the playoffs uh, that actually make it to the World Series. So got lucky as fans uh, and gamblers in this case. So uh, wish everyone the very best and looking forward to uh, when me and the Danimal go at it head-to-head again. And uh, everyone have a great week. Talk to you. He's back for another rendition of the Danimal spot on the Doggy Juice podcast. How you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. Got taken to the woodshed last week, last Sunday. So, um, been better. It was the first big speed bump and basically everything was bad. So I don't know if it was Joe public that got killed or just the Danimal, but it was a bloodbath on Sunday. <laughs> Do you have any words for, uh, for the Sage after the Sage came out on top in the Danimal Sage challenge? Yeah. I mean, thankfully he went three and oh, so I wasn't even mad. Um, I can't beat that really. You can only tie it. So I wasn't that pissed that Dallas um, stinks, but yeah, I mean, you can't beat three and zero, right? No, no. And it looked like for a while. I mean, I know you had the Cowboys as part of your teaser leg, and obviously we know that line closed. Cowboys the favorite. I was on them too, but it looked like you were going to go two and one before they blew it on Monday night. So I know it's either way. I mean, you've uh, tough weeks happened to all of us, and uh, you've given out plenty of winners here on the pod so far this year. So let's, let's turn it around. What do you got uh, for week seven for us? Week seven, 
I, I switched it up a little bit here. This is unlike the Danimal. I'm going on some teams I think stink, some underdogs. So we'll see how this works. It's going to either be a disaster or I'm going to be back on the sharp side. I'm going with Dallas plus one right now against nice. Washington. Um, both awful teams. The NFC beast is um, looking great again this year, but I don't know. The Dallas can't be any worse. Washington's not good. Maybe Dalton figures it out a little this week. So give me the Cowboys as dogs there. Packers minus three and a half against Houston. Packers laid an egg last week, started out hot, and then just got steamrolled. I think bounce back for the Packers. So Packers three and a half against Houston. Going back to the well with Pittsburgh. I think I bet Pittsburgh almost every week, um, taking them as dogs against the Titans. I think that line's moved pretty much two or three points. I think yes, Pittsburgh flipped. opened as favorites. Yep. So again, I'll take Pittsburgh as a dog, ride the hot hand until it dies. And the last one is I hate this pick so much. No way it wins, but I'm going to take the Broncos get nine and a half wanted 10 right. late to the party. Um, saw snow in Sunday in Denver. So I'm just hoping yeah. for a complete whiteout and the chiefs will win by 30, but I'm taking the Broncos plus nine and a half. Good stuff, man. All right, well, good luck uh, with your action, and we will touch base again next week. Enjoy the games. Take care, everybody. All right, thank you very much to the Sage and the Danimal, and good luck on all of your plays this weekend. Time to close out the podcast with the official Doggy Juice Pod NFL Week 7 plays. The Lions at plus three earlier in the week. That's where I got them. I make this game a pick them, so I was more than happy to lock down the road team here, catching a field goal early in the week. The line has come down to two, two and a half. I'm seeing plus two and a half consensus price out there on Thursday, so I would only scoop up some money line at a plus price there. Plus two and a half is good value, but like I've said in previous podcasts, there's asymmetric risk involved when you want to, it's better off to wait for the three to potentially to show the, the risk of of uh, the line going from two and a half down to two and one is negligible in comparison. So um, I would definitely recommend locking in some plus money that you can find on the money line on the dog here, but definitely wait around to see if another three pops again. And even if it doesn't, the lines make an excellent teaser option on this week's card. More on that soon. The Dallas Cowboys. Ah, yes, I know, (laughs) but I'm seeing plus ones out there now consensus out in the marketplace but call this one good at a pick em or better we have consensus agreement from matt landis and the danimal uh, on the podcast as well i don't think there's a better buy low opportunity in the marketplace that's better than the cowboys heading into this weekend because joe public remembers what he saw last and obviously monday night was a pretty bad display as we saw but when you really look more into the game obviously there was some fumbles and mistakes on the Cowboys end and some fortune on the Cardinals end and I think that's helping create some of this value in the look ahead line the Cowboys were favored by a lot more even with Dalton in replacing uh, Prescott in the look ahead last week and I think this line just moved too far so I will gladly bet on the Cowboys on the road here in this spot everyone and their uncles on against Dallas right now but this line like I said has gone too far and the Dimers bot over at Dimers.com, the quick pick section agrees. The Dimers bot is showing a massive double-digit percentage edge for the Cowboys in this spot. If they hit plus one and a half, then I also highly recommend teasing the Cowboys up through the three and the seven as one of two legs on a 6.2 team NFL teaser. The Cardinals plus three and a half, but keep this investment smaller. Looking at the intangibles, every single one seems to favor the Seahawks here. They're off their bye week while the Cardinals are on short rest after playing on Monday Night Football and after a lot of traveling to the East Coast over the past few weeks. But the analytics folks out there know that the Seahawks continue to defy logic in so many ways from an analytics standpoint. They've been outgained in all five of their games this season. They keep winning close one-score games, a trend that's continued from last year. And the defense is one of the worst units in the league, but Russell Wilson is never out of it. And we're seeing that the line reflect that notion, or at least that's what people are believing. And Sheer numbers-wise, I make this game close to one, Seahawks one, so I did scoop up some Cardinals plus three and a half in the money line um, at that price, but keeping the investment smaller this week given the fact that situationally it's a terrible spot for them and since Seattle's had extra time to prepare for it. 
And yes, I will be the asshole betting the Jets this week, but I'm in really in no rush, although we did see some money come in on them Thursday morning to push that line from 13 to 12.5 consensus. The Bills favored on the road. Uh, I'll do a small position at 13 if I need to, but I'm really looking for a full two touchdowns to get involved for something more serious. Remember, as we say on the podcast, Jimmy Vaccaro, legendary Vegas odds maker, likes to say, Joe's bet teams, pros bet numbers. Having said that, though, it's hard getting behind the Jets at any number, but I'll be forced to if they're catching two full touchdowns this weekend because when you look at it, these guys are still NFL players getting graded on every play, playing for contracts. They're not you know, your, your backup college players. These, these guys are professionals. They have pride. And regardless if they're, you know, obviously, they're by far the worst in my power ratings and anybody's power ratings this year, but that line is way inflated. In terms of the hometown Bears, the line on this game is north of a touchdown last week before the Rams lost to the Niners and the Bears beat the Panthers. I do show a tick of value on the Rams here at six, laying six against the Bears. That one was five and a half earlier in the week, but that line's pretty much in no man's land from a value perspective, but I do show a bit of value on the total, although it has come down a whole point since early in the week when I got it at under 46 beginning of the week, but I think that's worthy of a play for a half a unit of 45. The Doggy Juice models combined to make that one 42.8. Once again, a lot of options fit our teaser model of teasing through the key numbers of 3 and 7 on a two-team, six-point NFL teaser, as long as you aren't laying VIG much higher than minus 120, anything higher than minus 120, really want to really Cherish those outs where you can get minus 110 still. They're few and far in between. I've said this in previous weeks too, but the classic Stanford one teaser model, obviously that's been doing quite well this year. And I mentioned these earlier in the podcast in my chat with Matt, but just a quick refresher on what's available out there that fits the model. Um, the Lions plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. The Saints minus seven and a half to minus one and a half. The 49ers plus two to plus eight. The Chargers minus seven and a half to minus one and a half. And then you could have gotten either side on a couple of games early in the week. Washington was a slight dog against the Giants, or sorry, against against the Cowboys, but that one has flipped, um, although most spots are at a pick now. And either side of the Titans-Steelers could have been had earlier in the week as well, but right now that's sitting at Steelers uh, plus one, plus one and a half. So you can really tease that at plus one and a half up through the key numbers of three and seven. I personally like the Chargers down to minus one and a half the most this week, besides the Lions, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but they're off their by the better team across the board, and I know Matt touched on this earlier as well, and I agree with a lot of what he said. The Jaguars are traveling cross-country after giving up 30-plus points in five straight games. They're facing a Chargers team that's obviously off their bye week. And from a bigger picture standpoint, when you look at Herbert versus Gardner Minshew from a college expectation standpoint and post-college expectation standpoint, obviously Minshew has more NFL experience under his belt, but we're talking completely different levels in terms of, you know, their the level of recruitment, Minshew being a sixth round draft pick versus Herbert being a, you know, an early first round draft pick. Um, so I, I do like that one. I also like the Lions up, like I said before, up to plus eight and a half, especially since I'm, um, I'm obviously on the Lions' side in that one, too. From a pure power ratings perspective, I lean the Panthers against the Saints in that game. But considering the intangibles involved and the Saints coming off their bye week, I think there are worse things you can do this weekend than including the Saints as one leg of a two-team teaser and essentially asking them to win the game outright at home, out of their bye, against a starting quarterback that they're very familiar with. But yeah, my favorite teaser legs this week, and I also like the Niners as well, and which should be a lower scoring game. My, my favorite teaser legs this week are the Lions to plus eight and a half, the 49ers to plus eight, and the Saints and the Chargers both down to minus one and a half. Key in all four of those teaser legs together, but let's call the official Doggy Juice Podcast teaser of the week the Lions up to plus eight and a half against the Falcons, and the Chargers down to minus one and a half at home against the Jaguars. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And again, a very special thank you to my bro, Mike Silvestri, for coming up with the new podcast theme song. Be sure to check him out at MikeSilvestriMusic.com. Good luck with your bets this weekend, and I will talk to you all next week. Doggy Juice. <laughs>